From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, how are you today? It's good to be back for another episode, and we have a special guest to today as well. I'm doing great. It's always great when we have a guest, and how are you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. I, I've been actually looking forward to this because our guest is a, is a friend and, and somebody I've gotten to know uh, well over the years, and um we we've worked together in, in different capacities um and and uh I'll I'll introduce him now and and he's Chris Backus he's the director of integrated technologies group from Harman uh who owns AMX and uh welcome Chris thanks for being with us no problem Steve thanks for having me I'm really looking forward to the conversation today and as, as are we and uh you know one, we, one of the reasons that, that this has been a long time coming is that James and I talk about control all the time. James has a, a long history as an AMX programmer, as as do uh, I and um, other people on my team. And and we're we're excited to have you because not only can we talk about AMX, but we could also talk about some new announcements. But but first, let let's just ask the question that everybody's been asking for some time. But where's AMX been? And and uh, and you know uh, what what should the world know about AMX? Sure. Well, I appreciate the floor uh, and the opportunity to talk. the The conversation does come up, at, you know, different trade shows and stuff, and I, I see it in different online groups. Uh, AMX has been here now for over forty years, and uh, we've been pumping out product, uh, different volumes at, at different times. Uh, the acquisition by Harman was completed just over nine years ago. Uh, and for folks that might not understand how those work, you you have your pipeline of products that you're looking to put out into market and uh, an acquisition occurs. There's generally about a, a 12 to 24 month window after an acquisition that we consider a no touch. Uh, generally, in all of those kinds of deals, uh, there's some type of buyout or performance or something that has to happen. And so uh, the the parties that are being acquired uh, want to make sure that they're, they have the best opportunity to succeed and hit those numbers. And so that's why things may seem quite normal for 12 to 24 months because all those teams generally stick together. You get to keep the same sales groups, the same engineering groups and everything just like it was, just there's another person at the top of the food chain. And then you reach that period after those projects run out where now you're looking to get into the flow of the, the new uh, acquiring companies. uh, research and development process and their entire engineering workflow. And so uh, we saw a period of time where AMX was pitching their products, uh, still having one or two product releases, you know, come out every year, you still have uh, a need to perform in the market, but in terms of massive innovation and things of that nature, um, certainly there was a period of, of calm uh, within the uh, the storm that is our business. Uh, and and so we, we saw an opportunity with all the engineering teams within Harman to kind of align on a, a more centralized vision. And instead of just having individual brand silos, we, we need to understand how these go to market together. Uh, and in terms of how we deliver our solutions uh, to, the, to the user community. And so uh, one of the things that you've seen kind of just as you and I have been talking over the last couple of years is kind of an alignment towards getting all of our systems to work together uh, harmoniously and natively. Uh, And we're starting to see some of the fruits of those efforts finally make their way out of the process. And so um, you go again, just a quick summary, you've got your existing pipeline and then you've got to start a new pipeline under the new parent organization. And all that's happening, uh, you still have the need to, to kind of keep some products coming out, but there's this grander, longer term, five, 10 year plan vision 
that just takes a while. Once you even have the plan, then you've got to start building on the plan. And those always take, you know, anywhere from a year to three years to start seeing product dribble out with those kinds of things. And so I'm excited that we're finally at a point where some of these unified products are starting to come to market, uh, unified either in control protocol or just in, in kind of treating everybody as a first class citizen within that ecosystem to where they all participate in a native way. And for those keeping score at home, just give us this, um, a few of the names also under the Harmon umbrella that, sure. that that are within that ecosystem that are, are the parent um, uh, brands. Sure. So um, so uh, I guess one of the things that we should say is as as Harmon, one of the things we've been working on for a long time is a is a unified protocol we call H control. Uh, and so H for Harmon, and and then understand what are the brands that are impacted by that. Um, you know, in a lot of these brands like JBL loudspeaker, um, we also have Crown Amplifiers, Martin Lighting, uh, BSS, DBX. Uh, these are all kind of products in the installed space that uh, that you would see. And so a great example of how these are starting to come to market now, you just had the recent launch of the JBL SRX 900, uh, and that speaker uh, speaks age control. Uh, AMX put out some accessory boxes at Infocom that are kind of expansion I.O. ports and things of that nature. That was uh, one of the first products that AMX uh, is getting into market that has age control capabilities. Um, and so when we say a product is age control enabled, that just means it's, it is speaking a native Harman API across everything. Uh, for the folks that are normal listeners to this call, you might be used to having a BSS driver or module in your program. You might have also had, you know, an AMX and maybe a crown. Well, now you're just going to have an age control driver, one to rule them all and be able to talk to any of the products in the family. Very interesting. Um, James, I guess your, your initial thoughts and, and we'll, we're going to let Chris get into really the particulars of the, the new platform next, but I just wanted to give you a chance to jump in. I'm glad to hear that like, you know, AMX and Harman and all that stuff are continue moving forward and stuff. Uh, as Steve mentioned early on, I, I cut my teeth on AMX and Harman. And the only thing I kind of question I have with H control, I, I, I think it's a good concept, but I'm trying to think, would it get bloated with all the different, Things. I mean, speaker is going to require one thing, DSP is going to require another, your uh, processor another. That's to me, it sounds like it almost going to get bloated. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, one of the, the keys behind how age control works is um, products are able to describe their capabilities. Whenever you initiate that handshake, it says, hi, I'm an amplifier. I have these channels, these gains, these levels. And so you, you very quickly realize that, okay, if, if I'm going to do a gain adjustment, right, there's only one gain command in all of age control, but I'm aiming it at that guy, giving it to that number, right? And so it, it becomes extremely um, self-descriptive as we move through talking and communicating with different devices, they say, hey, here's what I'm capable of. And then that's what you're dealing with, right? You don't have to worry about the full spectrum of everything. You're just really isolating what you're doing down to what those devices are capable of. All right. Thank for the clarification. Very interesting to me because I, I, I know one of the, the features of the new platform that's called Muse is that it, it it's meant to be uh, very open. And um, so, so Chris, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because that, that was the big announcement that 
Harmon recently had, and um, we're recording now in um, October of uh, 2023. So just uh, share a little bit about that. Sure. I think you'll you'll notice a, a big migration trend towards open standards uh, and uh, open modern languages and, and really just kind of this idea of you know, participating in a more IT-friendly universe. Um, you know, gone are the days, I think, where the proprietary kingdoms uh, ruled the land. I think everyone's kind of just asking for best of breed at this point. Uh, and the opportunity to use a IO extension box out in the field, if that's the one that works for me, uh, and that that's convenient based on our project requirements. Um, you know, and the whole idea behind the Muse platform is to, to really kind of provide a couple of key things. Um, the first is let you use the IDE that you want, right? We are launching with a, a VS Code extension uh, in the in the Muse control platform. So anybody that's using Microsoft Visual Studio code would, would be able to just add our extension out of the extension marketplace uh, and you know, instantly be able to tie into our hardware. Um, again, I mentioned everything tells you what it has. So you would instantly know what connected devices there are and what they're capable of. Um, and so that's just one way of like, okay, if I look specifically at IDEs without jumping around to too many topics, um, we know that Visual Studio Code is great for some languages and maybe there's a better, more preferred IDE for a, a different language. If you're a JavaScript user, I know you might prefer something else. Um, and, and so the idea is we want you to use the tools that you want. We want you to use the languages that you uh, have skill sets in uh, to be able to deliver an AMX solution. Um, and so I, 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 we could take this in a number of different ways. I'm not sure the, the way you want to uh, tackle it first, but um, I guess a couple of things on the hardware side, just real quick to, to point out on Muse hardware. Um, one of the things that we all lived recently was supply chain constraints. And so what we wanted to do is, is find a way to position in a new platform um, to, to really kind of be well positioned in the supply chain for components and things of that nature. And so some of the choices that were made on the Muse platform are, are there to, to make sure that we're in good standing uh, with supply chain. One of the changes that we made was moving away from SD memory cards into EMMC sticks. Uh, and so you, you'll notice it's kind of more, I would say, a, a ruggedized platform in that regard. Um, and as part of that hardware migration, you, you see a processor now that is 10 times more powerful than the last generation. So everything just almost like you're, you're, you're used to in technology launches, it's, it's 10 times faster than the last guy. Uh, and so uh, we look at that, you know, one of the things that the, the platform also did, and we've already touched on this a little bit, is we also moved into the ability to use scripting languages. And so there are three different modern scripting languages that we're supporting at launch. We're supporting uh, Python, JavaScript, or Groovy. Um, we also have the ability to integrate with a low-code, no-code solution offered via the Node-RED ecosystem. Uh, and so essentially you're looking at four different ways to deliver jobs uh, now. And, and so the idea is, if you, if you look historically uh, at, at our, our largest uh, system integrators who often have a, a, a team of developers, um, we have seen in, in the larger the organization, the more they've been allowed to specialize. Someone might be your user interface, user experience guy. Uh, someone might be a, a really great uh, full stack developer on, on web technology. So they're maybe doing some HTML5 things. Um, and you know, then there's just other subspecialties within our, our discipline. And, and so you, you have these people bringing different skills, but they haven't ever really been able to combine them together the way they can combine them in Muse. Because one of the neat features of Muse is the ability to run essentially unlimited scripts. And what we mean by that is, let's say, for instance, Steve, you know Python and, and Python, you 
you wrote a great driver uh, or, or something to handle a bit of logic for a part of the project. Um, but James is, uh, maybe he is familiar from his Amex days. He had some Java background and maybe he, uh, as a result, uh, is, is really good at Groovy because Groovy is essentially a scripting version of Java. And so James wrote some other code uh, to in, in this Groovy language that handles, say, the, the user interface and the, the button events that are happening in the space. And so this is an opportunity for James to put his button event code on in Groovy, you to put your maybe display control over in Python, uh, and then maybe I'm over here contributing another way in a different language or the same language, but I'm tackling a different portion of the project, right? And so as a result, the architecture let, uh, lets all of these devices be shared across any of the scripts. Their events can be notified across any of the scripts, et cetera. And so this really lets you do the part that you're great at and then let someone else on the team do the part that they're great at and upload it in a common goal of the project, right? So I'm sure I took that in a number of different shotgun areas, but um, just the idea though, that that's kind of why it's so open is the, the idea is that the way the, the business is being delivered today to market is by a bunch of specialists and in some cases at the biggest extreme. And then on the smallest extreme where we just have you know, that same guy or girl that's been the, doing it all, the jack of all trades. Now we have the ability to just be a little bit more friendly towards their personal preferences of what their strengths are. Instead of having to say, I don't know that language, you can hopefully use one that you do know. I mean, I, I think this answers a lot of the questions that people would normally ask. And I, I think the you know, the whole concept of I have to learn something new or you have that barrier to getting in, involved in a certain platform is that doesn't seem to be the case because there are th these are very modern languages that a lot of people would know and be able to use in, in other aspects. So there there's it seems to, to provide a lot of latitude and flexibility, I would say, to programmers. Um, what what would what would you speak to somebody who is uh, just just a Netlinks programmer? Is it uh, so like what 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 do you what do you see their path being? Sure, uh, it. I guess we have two camps, right? Someone who wants to learn new languages and new skills, um, yeah. and and someone who says I, I'm either at the tail end of my career, I don't want to learn something new. Help me you know, deliver jobs. Um, you know, I, I don't know which camp I fall into. I just know that right now I don't have that scripting language capability and I have been leveraging Node-RED uh, and I am so impressed with that tool. Uh, you know, even just the other day they had, uh, I, I was looking, one of the cool things I, I mentioned uh, about Muse as a platform and I, we, we mentioned this overall thing called age control. Um, well, we didn't leave legacy devices in the dust. We, we've built in capabilities within Muse to speak um, native ICSP, which is the AMX protocol between devices. Um, so I can still use a fourth generation touch panel, a fifth generation touch panel, or our latest Varia touch panel. All of those still work. Uh, and, and so we can touch older AMX devices. They don't, you know, we're not using Netlinks as a programming language in this platform, but I can still use all that hardware that my customers invested in, um, as well as Part of the Harman ecosystem is the HiQnet protocol that was used between Crown and BSS and things of that nature. And that's also a native language in uh, inside of the Muse box, right? So um, what I was going to mention is that I, I was talking to a BSS processor through my Muse controller, and I needed to con 
do a, a range conversion. We see this often in AV programming where maybe a device is zero to 255, and then we need to go to like zero to 100. And in Node, there's a very handy little block. I just put it in. I said, you're going to get anywhere between zero and 100, and I want you to come out zero to 255. It was just so handy. It was one of those welcome things. It was like, wow, this is a tool made by programmers for programmers, right? Uh, and it was just so basic and simple, but it was already there, and it was just very easy to go in and make something like that happen. Yeah. So. That's been the pleasant thing for me is, is using that tool. Uh, for anybody that's delivered an AV program, especially a, a compiled solution, um, you, you generally wait for it to compile, you generally wait to transfer, and you generally wait after it's transferred for that to boot. And this could be on the range in magnitude of five, 10 minutes, you know, depending on uh, what it is that you're transferring. Um, one of the most beautiful things about the scripting world is it's all very quick. The file transfers are like, you know, 100 kilobytes, and then it's within two seconds, the box is up and ready for me to test again. Uh, so just as iterative creatures, as programmers, you know, we, we make a change. We don't tackle the entire punch list and then go test it. We do one, we try, we go do another, we try, right? And so it's just so amazing, I think, for anybody that gets their hand on an AMX Muse processor uh, in any of these environments, whether it's high code via VS Studio or it's low code uh, through Node-RED, just to be able to deploy your change and instantly be able to go and test that is is changing like it, you notice it because it was so different compared to where you were before james uh, uh you know as as we wrap up with chris i just wanted to get your take on it from a from a higher ed or an internal um uh integrator perspective because it sounds like this is plays right into your hand because you you know you're looking at students that have these talents, but also not feeling like you are going to be stuck if you invest in a platform and, and not be able to, to grow with it and make changes. So I actually have a couple uh, directions on this one. The first one, I think, for especially for higher ed, that Chris mentioned is vital, is the speed. Uh, we all know we get about... And minutes between classes. If it takes about five minutes to send new code and have a system boot up, you got five minutes to then test and make sure before next class. Where this would be much quicker, uh, easier. So if you do have an error, you have more time to troubleshoot and fix that before the next class come in. So that speed is very vital to higher ed. Um, I we all know it equipment that takes a while we're sitting there waiting as the students and faculty are walking in and we're like hopefully this boots in time um i've been there a couple of times myself um another thing is the flexibility to run multiple scripts so like chris was saying like we you can have members of your team who learn who are very strong in different scripting languages be contribute instead of going all right you need to convert to this one language, or we all have to come to the same common language. It allows everyone to be flexible and plays their strength, which is very cool. Uh, I think you can think of that running multiple uh, um, scripting languages on a processor before. So that's very neat. Uh, so, I mean, definitely impressed. I've heard a lot of people who saw AMX Infocom and they were impressed with what was coming out. Uh, unfortunately, I got to see the booth, but not as much as I have wanted to. And uh, just more and more here is uh, more impressive. So Chris, uh, before we sign off, uh, one thing that we'll do is we'll put a link to 
um, whatever resources you can give us in, in our show notes so that people can read up more or, or um, watch an announcement. But um, from a from a training and support perspective, is there anything you could talk to there for people that really, you know, are interested in, in, in getting on board or, or need to know where to start? Because our, our audience is a, is, is a variety of, of programmers, some of which kind of live in their own isolated world and, and others that may be part of a team. And one of the things we try to do is build community and, and make sure that people realize that they're not alone out there in the AV world as programmers. Sure. Uh, well, one of the best parts about moving to mainstream modern languages and, and uh, resources like Node-RED is the number of uh, training outlets and uh, existing content that already exists for these these tools. Uh, and so um, as a manufacturer, it, it's hard when you go the proprietary route with software and languages and things of that nature, because you are the source of knowledge. And, and so by us opening up to these uh, uh, more uh, open modern languages. Um, you, you've got everyone from middle school instructors teaching this class all the way through Udemy and YouTube and things like that. So for folks that are looking to learn how to do scripting languages, the best part is these are the actual language. It's not modified or curtailed to be AMX specific. And, and so that is kind of the first plus uh, in terms of training resources. The second resource in terms of just troubleshooting and, and the overall programmer community that is using these languages on a day-to-day -day basis from sources like Stack Overflow, or um, you can go to Reddit or Code Ranch or any of the, the main places where people are asking questions about Python or questions about JavaScript or Groovy. Um, those all become new resources that we can leverage at two in the morning when we're banging our head against a rack saying, why aren't you working, right? Uh, we've all been there and we know that that is the struggle. And so if you have to wait for tech to open up or wait for the training team to open up. Um, that's that's part of the, the reason we wanted to go this way was to really kind of add those extra resources there. Uh, but in terms of things that, you know, un unique to us, learn how to use our plugin and learn how to use our nodes that we're putting out in Node-RED, um, absolutely those training resources will be available um, here shortly. Um, and, and so I know my team is focused on putting out a common demo room uh, that we want to release uh, so that you could see what that room looked like uh, through the lens of a Python programmer or JavaScript or Groovy or through Node-RED. They're all using the same touch panel. They all same have project definition, but it gives you a way to say, you know, I know this language and I'd like to see how you did this one thing. Um, and so in that, we wanted to, to demonstrate, you know, it, it is a reasonable room, but the idea behind the room and the, the things that we chose in this room were to be able to show you how to do those basic controls control methods, right? What is sending an IP string to something or what is doing a serial string to something? If I just want to send that raw, um, that raw packet or that raw string, or if I want to use an existing AMX module, great. So we're kind of showing you how to use all of it uh, in, a, in a very simple way. Um, but the idea is to just give you an example uh, to get started. I know I personally learn well looking at other people's code to say, you know, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it, it works. So I'm going to, I'm going to take what works uh, and kind of like modify as I go. But when you're just getting started, it's a lot easier to model something that's in front of you. Um, so those resources should be hitting the web uh, fairly soon. I know that there's also a, a programmer's guide uh, to the uh, to the platform that really kind of walks you through the Visual Studio uh, extension and things of that nature. So those are all things I think should be on the product page, if not today, pretty shortly, uh, as well as the VS Code extension uh, that you should find from the main marketplace there. Um, funny story, this actually was on the marketplace two years ago when we first wrote it uh, behind the scenes. They didn't realize the public-private side of it and very quickly realized 
realized that needed to come down. Uh, but we all learned that way, little, little fun, happy accidents there. Um, but it is currently, if it's not shared with you back out there again, again, I, I know that's uh, quite the topic internally is to make sure all of these resources can get to market very quickly. Um, in fact, we're probably behind the curve. If people are receiving product right now, uh, they should have these tools on the web. So I'm trying to really hard to get them uh, posted. Very good. And um, I guess in wrapping up, how could people get in touch with you, learn more about uh, Harmon AMX or any other uh, resources that you want to promote? Sure. Appreciate it. Um, AMX.com is the best place to get started on the product side. From there, you can find training links. You can find uh, you know, what your resources are for the product in terms of documentation and such. Uh, my team is the ITG group. We are hang out at developer.amx.com. Uh, and so we're a resource for Harman AMX created device drivers. And, and we try and put tools out there that the community needs uh, that would help you deliver on your projects. And so uh, th that's the best place to find me there. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not very active uh, on X these days, but uh, if, you, if you're if you a big X user, you can find me at AV Control Guy. Uh, those are the easiest ways to find me. Absolutely. And, and thanks for being with us. And we hope to have you on again. And I know that you're uh, you're always doing things in behind the scenes to support this community. And I want people to get to know you better. So that thanks for that. And uh, we look forward to hear, hearing more and learning more about uh, the progress that, that uh, AMX and Harmon are making. Perfect. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Appreciate James, it, James. How, how could people get in touch with you and learn more what you're up to? Uh, as always, you Google me, you can find me. I'm out there um, on the socials, X as uh, AV underscore James King. LinkedIn, don't use it as much, but I'm trying to be more active on there. Anything Hetma. And uh, Chris, this was great, uh, great conversation. And thank you for being a guest. And uh, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, uh, my company, Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. And um, you know, just in general, please uh, reach out to us. We want to be able to be a resource to this community. We want to bring guests that people want to hear from, and we want to also celebrate um, so, some of the things that are going to be good, uh, valuable resources to uh, AV programmers and help them succeed in their roles. And I think that this is going to be one of them. Um, so I think it answers a lot of the questions and we're glad to uh, to have Chris on and help to clarify some things. So uh, uh, please look to us as being a resource for the community. Reach out, let us know what else you want to learn more about, or if you have a guest that you want to recommend or you want to be a guest yourself, we'd be interested in that as well. You can watch our show on YouTube and listen to it on Apple and Google Podcasts. And uh, that's what we have for today. And this has been Ask the Programmer.